that I'm sharing a message this morning um, that has, I've been thinking about for a while. Um, and last term, in term two at Element, we uh, brought a book for all our leaders and we read it together and we preached on it for probably about eight weeks. And everyone at youth was so sick of it. They were just totally over it. Uh, we went on and on and on about it. And uh, part of that book is what I'm speaking about today because it's kind of challenged me ever since I first read it. Um, so if you're at youth, you probably heard a tiny bit of it, but it's all right. Um, you've probably forgotten by now anyway. Um, better not have no jokes. Um, but so I'm speaking about that, and it's a book uh, by Rich Wilkinson Jr., who's a pastor from Miami, Florida, um, and his book is called Friend of Sinners, and it's a book about how um, God loves people and he calls us to love people. That's basically the book in one sentence, if you had to say it, and we, we talked about that, and this part of the book really spoke to me, and um, it's not behind me, but this morning I'm talking, my message is called How to Be Great, um, and I love this because, I guess, firstly, greatness is quite confusing, like, Usain Bolt is great, but then so was like the pizza I had for dinner last night. Um, what is greatness? It's kind of confusing. And so this message is really talking about what God calls greatness and what is kingdom greatness and what Jesus showed us was being great. And I'm excited about it. Um, I love this. I've been thinking about it for the past six or eight weeks. Um, and so I'm excited. Um, but I want to start by saying that some of you probably know this, but I'm a really competitive person. Um, and I always want to be great at everything I do. And I think me and Dave are in some ways terribly matched because every time we do any sporting activity, we just both want to beat each other and we're so competitive and we go ice skating and I push him over so I can win. Um, and it's mean and I don't mean to, but I just can't help myself. And we'll talk about greatness soon, but you know, when we think of greatness, we think of often being the best. And I remember um, when I was probably at, um, my last year of high school, going mountain biking with some friends and I wasn't very good at mountain biking. I'd probably only been three times before in my life, but as soon as I got there, something came over me. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be great at mountain biking, and I wanted to beat everyone I was there with. And some people I was mountain biking with um, were great mountain bikers. Um, They've been doing it for, for years and years. Um, and so we get there, and we get our bikes off the, the trailer out in like West Auckland at some Woodhill Forest, I think it was, and we kind of get the run down there like, ride the tracks, but don't go on the ones with the X's because they're for really good mountain bikers. And classic me, I think, I'm a good mountain biker, even though I'd never really done it before. And so we, we start biking and we get to one little track where there's a one X on it, which means it's kind of for an expert, don't try it. And some of the guys encouraged us, so we did this, like, rode up this like seesaw kind of thing and rode down the other side. And I was like, I'm awesome at mountain biking. I just did like a like one X kind of like jump thing oh, I'm good, and I was like, but a few other people did it, so I wasn't, like, the best so far. There's still a few of us that, that did that, so I was like, you know what, next time I see one with two X's, I'm going to try that one, um, outdo everyone else. And so we, we rode on for a while longer, and I saw, um, like, a trick thing, I don't even know what it's called, a track, maybe, that had three X's on it, and that's the highest one. And I thought, you know what, I did the one with one, I'm just going to give it a go. And so I ride down, to cut a very long story short, I fall off, um, I break my collarbone. For a while, everyone thought I'd broken my neck, and I was in a neck brace and got taken to hospital in an ambulance. And it was very dramatic, and I was very embarrassed, very embarrassed. Um, and it was all because I just wanted to be the best. And I don't know if any of you, like, is anyone here competitive? You're like, yeah, honest people. You want to be, it's just a thing, you can't help it if that's you. You just want to, you play a board game, um, and if you're not winning, you know, throw your toys. <laughs> we were playing cards on Wednesday night with some young adults at my place. 
and Maddie Stone, I don't know if she's in here, but she placed a joker on my card and she won the round. I picked up her joker and I threw it across the room and I was like, Gina, get a grip of yourself. But I just am competitive and I want to be the best and I want to be great at everything I do. And I think that that's something, not everyone's as competitive, but I think it's something that's kind of inherently human. There's something in us which knows we were made for greatness, that wants to be great. And in 2018, people want to be great, but it's not a new thing. It's something that's been around for thousands of years. And I want to share a story today from the Bible. It's from Mark chapter 9, and it's when Jesus' disciples um, began to argue about who was the greatest. And Jesus tells them, he redefines for them what greatness is. And I think that can speak to um, us today. I, it's definitely spoken in me. And so I just want to pray, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, God, I thank you that you're the God who defines greatness, God, you are great. And I pray that as we read from the story in Mark chapter 9 today, God, that we would so understand what you call greatness, God, and how we can be great, God. And that, yeah, I guess leaving this place today, God, we would step out into a, a new form of greatness, God, that maybe some of us haven't experienced before, haven't known in our lives before, God. Yeah, amen. So I love that. No, I'll read the story first, then I'll, then I'll talk about it, actually. So Mark chapter 9, it's going to be on the screen behind me, it says this. It's talking about the disciples. They came to Capernaum when he was safe at home. He, which is Jesus, asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over whom among them was the greatest. He, Jesus, sat down and summoned the twelve. So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. He put a child in the middle of the room, and then cradling the little one in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do, embraces me, and far more than that, God who sent me. And I love this story because it's a bunch of friends talking about who's the greatest. And the thing I love more about this is that they were on a road trip while doing so. So it wasn't like the classic car road trip, but they were... Um, bunch of friends walking from town to town and I have absolutely no idea how long it took but I imagine it was a long time and I don't know about you but I know that in road trips they always start out lovely like you get in the car you're excited about where you're going you're all friends like you're with your family your mates and you're like this is going to be such a good drive one hour in you're kind of annoyed with everyone already by three hours in everyone in the car is arguing and I feel like that's what happened in the story there they set off and by the time they almost get there, arguing who's the greatest, having this big fight. And I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I know that I'm not a road trip person. And I remember one, like, clearly one road trip experience in my life, which has just cemented this for me forever. And um, it was a few years ago. Um, my parents were both turning 50, so they decided, let's go to a family trip to Hawaii. And they're like, why don't we rent a car in Hawaii and, like, go explore the island? And so... Me and my brothers and Dave, we were like, why don't we rent a couple of convertibles? We can like spread out in them. It'll be spacious and that'll be cool. But my dad's like, nah, let's all be together. Let's get one car and squish all seven of us into it. He talked us into it. It was cheaper. So we got this SUV where seven of us could fit in. And we were excited. We were going to go snorkeling up on like the North Shore of Hawaii. And we were like pumped for the day. We get in the car. And honestly, for the first hour, it was great. We were super good. We had snacks. Um, everything was going fine. By like an hour and a half in, um, my dad, I think, was driving and he was like obviously driving on the wrong side of the road and making like dodgy turns. Everyone in the back scared for their life. Everyone's getting mad. 
Then everyone starts getting hungry. We start getting a little bit annoyed at each other. And by like three hours into the road trip, we're all furious. We were grumpy. It was horrible. Um, we just almost like, we, we turned around. We didn't even make it to a destination. And we, we drove back and came back down to the end of Hawaii where we were staying. It was just not a good time. And it's just one of those things that when you're stuck with people for a long period of time, your mates, your friends, after a while, it just starts to get a bit tense. And I love that this story in the Bible, that's, that's what happens. I can relate to it. Um, Sometimes I've read this story before and thought, the disciples, what the heck, that's so weird. Like, what are they even doing that for? But just imagine, they've been walking for hours. There's just that one guy who's constantly putting in jazz about how cool he is and eventually turns into a full-on fight. Who's the greatest? And I love it. They get, they get to their destination and Jesus is like, hey guys, what were you talking about on the trip? And it's, I love it. It says, the silence was deafening. Like, how awkward is that? Jesus, who already knows what you're talking about, has called you out on your conversation and everyone doesn't want to be the one to be like, oh my goodness, we were talking about like who's the greatest, when obviously Jesus is the greatest anyway. Like if any of them was going to be, it wasn't going to be any of the disciples. But, I mean, I find this conversation funny, but that's not the cool thing about this conversation. The cool thing about this conversation is Jesus' response. And I think the first thing that stands out to me is that it's actually good to be great. I love that Jesus doesn't like rebuke them all, tell them all they're like sinners for wanting to be great. Jesus never says anything that was like rebuking them for wanting to be great. What Jesus does does is tells them what real greatness is. And so I think that's important because sometimes we can feel like um, wanting to be great or wanting to, yeah, wanting greatness is like selfish or sinful. We can think that's bad. But I believe that like God is great and we're made in his image. And so there's something we know inside of us that we're called to greatness. And so I think Jesus doesn't say, none of you are great, stop it. None of you can be great, I'm great. Jesus comes and says, this is what greatness is. And the Bible talks in Psalms about how God increases our greatness. It's not something bad, it's something which God does for us. And Jesus doesn't come and criticize it, but what he does is he redefines what they think greatness is. And so I think it's not wrong to be great, but it's pointless being great in the wrong way. That's what the disciples were doing. Their, their, their measure of greatness was the wrong one. And so I want to talk about what Jesus says greatness is this morning, but I'm going to start by talking about two frequent misconceptions that we can have about greatness. So two things, firstly, that greatness is not. And the first one is that greatness, or if the first misconception is greatness is about people knowing I'm great. We tend to think that who we're connected to or who recognizes us, who thanks us, who knows us, that that can mean how great we are. Like in 2018, that is definitely a big measure of greatness. Instead of thinking, I want to be the best I can be, we think, I want people to know how great I am. And in the Bible, there's so many stories. Um, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, there's one that's so, I guess, I think of when I think of this. King Nebuchadnezzar, who's a king, and uh, just like everyone else, he's searching for greatness. And what he does is he goes and builds a statue of himself, which the Bible says is like 27 meters high. Like that is, wow, that is huge. A gold statue of himself because he wants people to know who he is. He was searching for greatness. He's like, I want people to know who I am. But the thing I love about Jesus is that when he came to earth, he was the definition of greatness, but he didn't come to be like, everyone look at me. Jesus turned up in like a stable. Um, he walked the earth like unknown. Jesus never tried to draw massive crowds or attention to himself. People came, but Jesus was never, his greatness was never about people knowing how great he was. And I think sometimes 
especially like young people, and I know myself, sometimes we can think that greatness is about Instagram followers, or maybe you can think that greatness is about being the boss of your work, or it's about being on a stage, or popularity, what people think of you, but Jesus is very clear that greatness isn't about what others think of you. So that's the first misconception, is that others think I'm great. And the second misconception is that greatness is being better than other people. Sometimes we can think greatness is being the great greatest. Instead of like running our own race and doing what we're doing, we can just look to the people next to us. And as long as we're beating them, as long as we're doing better than them, then we're being great. And that's um, I guess in sporting, what we're kind of taught, that the greatest is the fastest or the best, that it's just comparative to other people. And so when I was mountain biking, I thought if I could be faster and better than everyone else, then I would be great at it. And Usain Bolt, he's the fastest in the world. He's the greatest runner. And maybe in sports this is true, but in God's kingdom greatness, greatness is never about comparison to other people. And I guess the thing is that comparison, the Bible teaches, comparison is a trap that we get caught in. And it's not an, like attainable to always be the best or the greatest, and it's something that we can never actually measure our greatness by. And Comparison is something that will steal um, your contentment and it will steal your motivation. Comparison can never be our measure of greatness. And I love that um, when Jesus' disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, Jesus didn't come in and say, like, it's definitely Peter because he's the coolest and he dresses better than you other like 11. Jesus didn't come in and say who it was. He didn't pick sides. He didn't even say it was him, even though obviously it was. Jesus never made it a, about comparison. But he said, if you want to be great, this is how you do it. And we'll never be great if we're comparing ourselves to others. We'll only be great when it's about us, not about us versus other people. So the second, first one was that greatness is about people knowing I'm great. And the second one is that greatness is being better than other people. And those are both the wrong understandings of greatness. And so now that that's not greatness, what is greatness? And so I just want to read back in Mark chapter 9. Jesus says this. He says, He sat down and summoned the twelve. So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. He put a child in the middle of the room, and then cradling the little one in his arms, he said... Whoever embraces one of these children, as I do, embraces me, and far more than me, the God who sent me. And so the first thing that Jesus teaches us about greatness is that greatness, if we were going to define it, is loving and serving other people. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the servant of all. And the best thing about God's economy is that first isn't first, last is first. The way up is to go down. It's like the paradox of what Jesus teaches us, the opposite of what the world understands is greatness, that greatness is to be a servant of other people. Jesus has this epic way of inverting everything. And there's a story in the Bible, which I'm sure a lot of you will be familiar of, where Jesus um, is close to when he dies and he's having dinner with his disciples and he is the rabbi. And so in their culture, he is like, higher and the disciples are his followers they're learning from him they're getting taught from him and for them it is a great honor to be taught to be under a rabbi um like every young man in jewish culture wants to be taken under the wing of a rabbi and so they're at this dinner and they've spent three years with jesus seeing how amazing he is understanding that he's actually the son of god and they're like man our rabbi just isn't a little bit above us he's like god we have the best rabbi and then at this dinner jesus 
tells them all he's going to wash their feet. And in their culture, that is something for a servant to do. They wouldn't even wash someone's feet. And they're like so upset about it. They're like, Jesus, you don't get it. You're at the top. We need to serve you. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it to the disciples. Actually, if you want to be at the top, you need to be at the bottom. And the best thing about kingdom culture is Jesus comes and he's like, I'm not going to put myself on a stool. I'm not going to be at the top, but I'm going to serve and that's going to show you what greatness is. And I love this story. It's such a story that, like, everyone in the room, like, if, I guess if, for us, it's kind of like a weird story. We don't understand culture. But for everyone who is Jewish who reads that story, it's so uncomfortable. It's like a, it's an awkward story. It's like, that is wrong. That isn't right. And Jesus came and took things that, like, were the right way up and flipped them the other way. And I love that. Um, and so if we want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus teaches us that we have to be willing to be the least. We have to be willing to be at the bottom. And that's really hard because um, in our culture, being at the top um, is the greatest. We want to be the boss. We want to be someone who has a say. We want to be someone who people look at and look up to. Um, and so for us, the idea of being a servant, being the greatest, is very unusual and upside down. And we, as a, I guess, a world, we love fame. Um, it appeals to our pride feels good. Um, but those things are fickle. When Jesus comes and teaches us that greatness has never been at the top, it's never about what people say about you, it's never about you comparing yourself, but greatness, true greatness, is serving other people. And the best thing about this, the thing I love the most, is this means that greatness is accessible to everyone. If we see greatness as the fastest or the best, it's Usain Bolt is great and no one else can be. Greatness is so unattainable, but Jesus comes and he doesn't say, one of you disciples can be great, but he says to all of them, if you want to be great, this is how you do it. And it means it's accessible to us. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. And I guess he kind of shadowed Jesus in saying that because Jesus says in our story, so you want first place? then take the last place, be the servant of all. And I love that. Anyone can be great. Any of us can be great because we can serve. And um, I guess Jesus goes on from that saying, if you, want to be, if you want to be great, be the last. Love others, serve others. But then he goes on and says something kind of like unusual. He gets a child and he puts them in the middle of the room. And it says, then cradling the little one in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do, embraces me and far more than that the God who has sent me and Jesus goes on from saying you've got to serve but Jesus he's like he makes it about children and I feel like I don't completely understand that but I feel like every parent in the room will understand what it's like looking after a child because so many of the things you do are like thankless a child doesn't like thank you when you change their nappy they don't thank you when you cook them dinner they don't thank you for stuff you serve them out of like your love for them, not because of what you're going to get back from them. And that's the serving that Jesus teaches us. He came and died for us, even when we didn't even ask him to or want him to, when we didn't even thank him for it, because that's the type of serving Jesus wanted to teach us. And I love that, that real serving is serving without having to get something back. That real greatness is serving and loving those when we're not going to get something in return. And we talked about this at youth last term, and we gave everyone as part of the series... Um, a four-week challenge. We asked, we challenged everyone to together do something for four weeks. And so the first week we said, I'm not going to get this wrong, but it was something like, this week let's buy someone a hot chocolate or something from your school canteen and give it to someone. Maybe someone who's not your friend, just do something nice for someone, like serve someone else. And the second week, 
It was like, write a nice note to your teacher or your parents or a friend. I don't even know what the third week was. Um, I don't know, something. And then in the fourth week we said, this week we want you to wake up early um, on one day of the school and go and pray by the gate of your school. It's something we um, do kind of every few weeks at youth called by the gate. Um, and it's like we send kids. Um, it's a Monday at Pookie Christian School and Friday at Pookie High and I think Thursday at Tawaka College, all different days. Um, and we, uh, we challenge kids to wake up early, go to their gate at 7.50 and pray for their school. And the week after we were talking about it, we're like, man, that was the, the hardest one of all because if you buy someone something from a canteen and give it to them, they're probably going to thank you for it. They'll be like, thanks so much. Like, why'd you do that for me? That's so nice. And maybe, oh, you, maybe not, but they'll, but they'll thank you for it. And if you write someone a note, they're going to maybe write you one back or thank you. Your mum will be like, good job, Madison, you're lovely. You can get on your chores this week. I don't know, whatever it is. But praying for your school by the gate, no one's going to thank you for that. Like, your school doesn't care if you're praying for them by the gate. No one's going to thank you for that. And we we're like, man, that is actually such a cool example of like what Jesus meant greatness is. It's doing the things that people aren't necessarily going to thank you for. It's loving people and serving them in a way that's not putting you up, but just doing it how Jesus did it. And I believe that Jesus was saying, by showing us the example of children, that true, true greatness comes from serving those who may never notice or who may never thank you. And so I guess the first, my definition of greatness is greatness is serving and loving others. But I guess the second thing I want to say about it is that greatness has been shown to us. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, disciples, if you want to be great, here's what you should do. Good luck, that's really difficult. Jesus came and said, here's greatness. And it was exactly what he'd already done and shown them. Greatness was basically Jesus telling them how he'd lived his life. He didn't ask us to do anything we haven't done. And time and time again in Jesus' life, he showed us like true greatness, kingdom style. And I love the story. I think I've spoken about this in church before. But the, the moment when Jesus got to do his first miracle and... Um, I guess he was 30 years old, I, I think, um, and he had been like growing up this whole time, you know, like figuring out, like knowing, I don't know, he was the son of God, he was God, he was waiting for the moment when he was going to show people it, and you think like, you know, like, just imagine you were like a superhero when you like found out you had superpowers, very realistic, um, I don't know if you guys will think about this, but sometimes I do, um, if I watch like Heroes or something, and then you've got your moment to like show everyone, like what would you do? And this was kind of like Jesus, like he's like, I get to do my first miracle. And I think for most of us would ima imagine, like if we were going to choose Jesus's first miracle, we're like, do something crazy, Jesus. So everyone will be like, whoa, Jesus is amazing. Like would be like, if you, I don't know, like, you know, like his first miracle could have just been doing something super impressive that all these people would have been like, you are awesome Jesus, him just looking cool, maybe him flying, everyone being like, oh my goodness, you're God. But Jesus' first miracle wasn't about himself. It wasn't anything for himself or for people saying he looked good. It was a quiet miracle he did at a wedding he was at where the bride and groom had run out of wine. And it seems like such a weird, stupid thing, but Jesus loved those people enough and cared enough about their situation. He didn't want them to be embarrassed. And so he um, turned you know the story, some water into some wine. And that was Jesus' first miracle. It wasn't this big moment of him being like, look at me. It was him out the back in like the kitchen at a wedding um, doing something for someone else that I guess in a lot of people's eyes was like real random and meaningless. But Jesus' first start, the first thing he did was showing that it was about loving and serving others. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about him looking good, being cool in front of people. 
wasn't about him doing anything amazing, but it was just him serving some people where he could. And I guess that challenges me so much in my life to, um, I guess, think about, you know, when I have opportunities to do something, am I doing it to make myself look great, to be great, or am I doing it just to love and serve people? And time and time again, Jesus showed us kingdom greatness, that greatness is serving and greatness is loving. And there's so many stories I could talk about. He washed people's feet. He did that for the, the couple who ran out of wine. He spoke to people who he culturally shouldn't have. He went out of his way to break rules of culture just because he loved and cared for someone. The woman at the well was someone he should never have spoken to um, out in, in their cultural rules, but Jesus didn't care about that. He went out of his way. Like Maybe people would look down on him. They'd be like, who does he think he is? He's not great. He doesn't even know what he's doing, but Jesus did things time and time again to just love and serve people, no matter what people thought about him, no matter what people said, no matter what he looked like, Jesus genuinely came to love and serve. And so I believe that greatness is living how Jesus lived. It's loving and serving people no matter what we get back, no matter what we look like. And Jesus, in the story to his disciples, he redefined greatness, but not just in the story, in his life. And it's not about how much we can get, how much we can gain, how known we can be but it's about pursuing what's most important, serving what's most important, and that's people. And I believe that's what Jesus um, taught us in the Bible. That's what he, yeah, I guess, like his life mission was actually just to come and serve us. And I guess ultimately we look at the story of the cross where Jesus came and gave his life like as an act of service and an act of love um, for people who didn't care, who didn't want it, who didn't ask for it, who, for people who would never thank him, Obviously some who hopefully will, but for a lot of people who will never thank him. And he didn't do it to look cool. He didn't do it because it was going to be fun. He did it because he wanted to love and serve people. And that like ultimate example of showing us what greatness is. And I don't know about you, but this, that inspires me this morning to want greatness that's not like fickle and shallow about people knowing who I am, but greatness of following in Jesus' way of greatness. And so I'm just going to grab Callum up to the keys because it makes me sound more spiritual. Um, <laughs> that'd be awesome but yeah um, so I guess I've said like 20 times this morning I love this story but I genuinely do I really love this and I think that um, over the last like, when we read this book last term and I've thought about it it's challenged me so much like sometimes I do do so many things and I, I guess if I was trying to be great I wouldn't necessarily always go about it the way Jesus was but as I look at the story I'm like man this changes how I think about how I live and what I do because I'm like, man, Jesus, if this is true greatness, if this is the greatness where I'm actually going to find purpose and fulfillment, then I want this and I want to follow the example you gave. I want to be great in the way you were great, God. And I guess this morning I just have a, a challenge to you guys. Um, I don't know if anyone just wants to close your eyes for a second. Um, yeah, I, I love the thing that Jesus said and Martin Luther King said that because greatness is about serving, it means any of us can do it. Um, it makes it accessible for us. And I guess my challenge for you and myself this morning is um, that we're all called to greatness, but not the kind where we're not one of the kind where we get there because we're better than other people, but the kind where we follow Jesus' Jesus's example and where we love and we serve. And instead of being the first, we choose to be the last. Um, and when we know that greatness isn't about us, but it's about how we can serve and how we can love others. And so, um, 
This morning, I just want to pray, and I'm going to include everyone in this prayer, so I'm not even going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm just going to include us all, because I think this is all something we can take on board and learn from God, and I think that, um, yeah, this is something important, so let's, let's pray. Yeah, God, I thank you this morning that you're so good, God. You came and you showed us how to be great, God, but it wasn't about making your name or being the best, God. It wasn't about showing us how insanely powerful you are and how nothing we are, God, but it was about coming and serving and loving us, God. It was about coming and when we didn't deserve it, God, we didn't even want it, God, but you came and you loved us and you gave everything for us, God. And I pray that this morning each of us, God, would be able to, um, I guess, learn from and be challenged by your example of greatness this morning, God, and that as we go about our lives, God, we wouldn't be people who are chasing our name being known, God, or chasing being the best, God, but we would be chasing your example of loving and serving people, God, and that our church would be known as a church where we love people and we serve people, God, not for what we can get, God, but just because we love them, God, and because we're following what you called us to do, God. So I thank you, God, and yeah, I just pray, God, that we will be a place of greatness, God, following after you. In Jesus' name, amen.